One needs to distance a tree if he is coming to plant a tree within his own property. He needs to distance it from somebody else's pit by at least by 25 amas because the roots of the tree can travel that distance or anything below that distance towards the pit and the ground of the pit or around the pit will become weaker. The roots might end up even going into the pit, and therefore to prevent that damage, one is not allowed to do that within his own property. And regarding a carob tree and a sycamore tree, which are much larger and whose roots can travel even longer, one would need to distance it from somebody else's pit by at least 50 amas. Whether one of them is above the other one, for example, there is a slope, and the tree is planted higher up on the slope, or perhaps the pit is higher up, even then the roots will end up damaging the ground of the pit, or whether they are side by side horizontally, and we are not talking about a case where it is a slope. Now, we saw a couple of Mishnahis ago that regarding somebody who plants a tree very close by to the border of a city, even if he planted it before the city came came about and existed, he would still need to cut down his tree because the public needs, in that case the beauty of the city, overrides this individual's personal rights. The only question is, will he be compensated and paid for the fact that they're taking this tree down or not? So that depends on whether the tree was planted before the city was here or afterwards. However, in this case, there's no public needs which are going against his individual rights. Rather, it's him being an individual against somebody else who is an individual who owns a pit. So whose rights override the other ones? If the pit was there first, and then he came and planted his tree illegally, so he can be forced to cut down the tree since he didn't put it there in the first place with permission. However, interestingly, the owner of the pit does need to give him money in order to compensate him for the fact that he's taking his tree away. Even though he planted the tree without permission, he still suffers a big loss by having to take it back. And since the person who is forcing him to do this is not public, but it's also an individual, he would need to compensate the other person. If the tree was planted there before the pit was there, then he doesn't need to cut it down at all. Why should he? He was there first, and the other person involved is only an individual. Now what happens if If it's a doubt who was there, which was there first, the pit or the tree, then he cannot be forced to cut down the tree. Because unless you can prove that he needs to do so, you cannot force him to lose that money. Now, Rabbi Yossi says, similar to what we saw in the previous Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi argue, over here he also argues, Even if the pit was there before the tree, he does not need to cut down the tree. Because this person is digging a pit in his property, and this person is planting a tree in his property. And that goes according to Rebus's opinion in the previous mission as well, that if the damage does not take place immediately, then one is allowed to do whatever he likes in his own property. And the responsibility is upon the person who could be damaged to avoid that damage. But the person who is going to do the damage, if he's doing something in his own property and it doesn't cause immediate damage, then he's allowed to do that since it is within his own property. Mr. Yud Ilon, a person cannot plant a tree next to somebody else's field, unless he distances the tree from the other person's field by at least four amas. 
Reason being that when somebody has a tree, in order to keep the tree alive, and part of the process in the field is to plow the area of land directly surrounding the tree. And they would do that for at least four amas around the tree. And so if you plant it closer than four amas to the other person's field, then you're going to end up bringing your plow into the other person's field, which would be forbidden. Now, regarding the prohibition of kilayim, which is the prohibition of mixing two seeds together and planting them as one, the law regarding planting a vine together with another uh, species of seed are more stringent than a regular case of kilayim. Now, one of those differences is that kilayim involving a vine, excuse me, when one, when one comes to plant a seed close by to a vine, and it's a different species, one has to distance it from the vineyard by at least four amas. Now, it doesn't have really anything to do with our Mishnah, but the Mishnah just says that in this case, this amount of four amas applies both to vines and to any tree. This has nothing to do with kilayim. There's no reason to make a difference between vines and any tree. So anyone who plants any tree or vine would need to distance it from the other person's field by at least four amas. Now, because the entire reason is that you might come to enter into the other person's field when you plow, her gather in time, if there was a fence in between your field and the other person's field, in which case you're not able to enter into his field when you plow, then this person, the owner of this field, can plant a tree right next to the fence on this side of the fence, and the other person could do the same on the other part, side of the fence. There's no longer any reason to distance it from the other person's field. That having been said, if the roots of your tree started going out into the other person's field, then the other person is allowed to cut off these, these roots up to three tfachim into the ground, the top three tfachim of the ground, any roots which are there, he's able to cut off, so that these roots don't interfere when the person wants to plow his field. If there are roots in the way, then that would interfere with the plowing process. And the Mishnah adds, if this other person, the owner of the other field, wanted to dig a pit, shiach, this is another site, another type of pit, or this is a sort of pit which has a cover on, says the Mishnah quotes the Yoyed, he's allowed to cut the roots of this person's tree, even more than just the top three tefachim of the ground, because here they're interfering much more. He wants to have a pit there and there are roots in the way. So he can cut them all off. And as well as that, for Eitzim Shalai, he can even keep all of that extra wood, the, the roots. He can keep that for himself since it is in his own field. The Gemara adds that the roots which are very close by to the actual trunk of the tree, those are necessary for the tree's survival. So he wouldn't be able to cut, doing that, cut down those roots. However, other than that, the rest of the roots of the tree, he is able to cut if it interferes with what he wants to do in his own field. If somebody has a tree whose branches are leaning into another person's field, he can cut down the branches, but how much? Of the, how many? How many of the branches can he cut down? He can cut them up to a height of the mardea. The mardea is the long stick which the person who is plowing with an animal would use to sort of guide the animal and maybe hit the animal. So if let's say he's walking in the field and he needs to lift the stick up and then put it down to the animal, so he wants to be able to do that without any branches being in the way. So he's allowed to cut down as many branches as would cause him to be able to plow properly without the branches stopping him to do so. If it's a carob tree or a sycamore tree, as we have seen already, these have much longer branches. It's much more of a significant 
tree which can bother the other person much more. It can even start to block out a lot of the light from getting from his field, and therefore can mishkoles. He can cut down all of the branches opposite the mishkoles. Mishkoles literally is a plumb line, which is when one is what builders use when if they have a long string and some piece of metal at the bottom of it, and they lower it down in order to make sure. That's how they make sure that the wall is straight. The point is you can literally cut off all of the branches with a straight line at the border of the field so that no branches enter into this person's field. All right, and if the other person's field is a field which requires watering and the rainwater is not enough, then again, any tree which the other person planted, even if it's not a carob tree or something, you're able to cut down all of the branches. Reason being that if there are branches leaning over, then the dew, which should really land on the surface of the ground, will end up landing on the branches of the tree, and the field will get less dew, and because it needs a lot of water, this would affect him negatively. So he has the right to cut down all of these branches which enter into his field. And Abashol, and Abashol says, Kolilan Sirok, any tree which doesn't bear fruit, again, can be opposite the plumb line, meaning you can cut them down in a straight line. Any of the branches which enter into his field can be cut. Because according to Abashol, if it bothers the other person that you've got your tree hanging into his field, he has the right to cut it down. Only if it has fruit on it. It's a fruit tree, so then it's got there's a much bigger loss for the owner of the tree, then it's forbidden. But if it doesn't bear any fruit, then according to Abashol, you can cut down all of the branches which enter into your field. Mr. Yudadid, last mission of the Perek, Elon Rabin. What happens if we have a tree whose branches lean out into a public domain? So the members of the public are able to force this person to cut it down. But how much? How many of the branches does he need to cut down? He needs to cut down the branches so that they aren't as low as would interfere with a camel passing in the public domain together with the rider on the camel. So any branches which are higher up than that can, be, can remain. But any, any branches which are lower than that, that the rider or the camel would bump into as he's going in the public domain, those he would need to cut down. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, that's not actually true, because somebody who's riding on a camel, as he reaches these branches, he can just lean down. Rather, you can only force him to cut down the branches, which are as low as would interfere with gomel to'un pishton a camel which is laden with flax or bundles of branches. Of course, these things can't lean down, and so any branches which are as low as this need to be cut down by the owner of this tree. Now, Rabbi Shimon fundamentally agrees in terms of laws of neighbors and rights of people in monetary terms. However, Rabbi Shimon has a different concern, and that is Tumah. One of the ways that Tumah can be transferred from one person to another, that the other person will become impure, is if the source of Tumah is under the same roof as this other person. So, for example, if there is a dead body, which is a source of Tumah, or even part of a dead body, then anybody who's under the same roof as that dead body will become Tomei. And because of that, Rabbi Shimon says, Any tree which leans out into a public domain needs to be cut down by the owner opposite the plumb line. Again, that means that it has to be cut down straight. Any of the branches which enter into the public domain need to be cut down so that they don't form a roof over part of the public domain which would transfer tumor to people in a case where there is a part of a dead body or other sources of tumor underneath there and somebody else would would walk underneath those branches and he would become Tomei. And you might not realize, and we also want to avoid Tomei as much as possible. So because of the Tomei, this should be avoided, and any branches which lean into the public domain can be cut down and need, need to be cut down by the owner of that tree.